Hi, this is Howie Jacobson of FitFam.com. What follows is an interview that Peter Bregman and I conducted with Kathleen Melanson, who is the director of the University of Rhode Island's Energy Metabolism Laboratory. And we talked about a study that she did that shows that eating slowly translates to eating less food, less calories, and having a more pleasurable eating experience. So this uh, interview was conducted at the end of November 2006. So here it is. Without further ado, enjoy. As someone who's struggled to do research, I, uh, I have a Ph.D. in health education and you know, having to do the dissertation and figuring out what I could do for a year, I was first of all struck by just the beauty and the simplicity of the study. Thank where, you. Where you where you get to answer a really important question for the cost of you know like a spaghetti dinner. <laughs> yeah, precisely. So I, yeah. I, I can imagine write, you know writing the funding proposal for that must have been fun. In, indeed. <laughs> so, I guess the first my first question is how did you get interested? In this particular question, when I, when I Google scholared you, I saw you had done work on kind of lipid profiles and fat oxidation and glucose levels, and this seems to be much more of a, you know, a behavioral topic mm-hmm. than you've tackled before. And what, what's, what, what got you interested in the question? It was kind of serendipity because I was writing a review article on appetite physiology for Nutrition Today. And I had mentioned the the fact that eating slowly is commonly recommended for uh, helping to regulate food intake. And one of the reviewers of the article came back to me and and said, where are the data to show that? I said, oh, I better get some references here. So I went to do a literature search, and there was nothing out there. I could not believe that. I said, wait a minute, this has been around forever. And it's just like so common knowledge. Where are the data? I went to a couple of, of society meetings um, with appetite physiologists, uh, international meetings, and I, I sought out the, the leading experts in the field who have been in the world of appetite physiology forever, and I asked them, where are the references for that? They they didn't know. They said they couldn't think of any. Uh, so I said, well, this work needs to be done. Uh, and then I happened to have a um, an intern who was interested in, in um coming to my lab from Portugal, to, she wanted to work with me. We've got her funding, but we didn't have that much money to fund. And I said, said, well, I do know of one study I'd like to do, but it doesn't cost too much money. You want to give it a try? She said, sure. And when we got the results, we couldn't believe how solid the data were. It was very, very consistent, very statistically significant. So, um, yeah, we, we, we submitted the data for a poster presentation at the Obesity Society, and they said, no, we want this to be an oral presentation. So, um, yeah, it was just all kind of one thing leading to another, but it's kind of serendipitous. I'm curious what you, what you actually did to get people to eat more slowly. Um, you know, what, what, yeah, what you did. Uh, we, we gave them those explicit instructions. We told them to take small bite sizes, to chew them 15 to 20 times very thoroughly, and to put down the utensil between bites, taking pauses between the bites. And just we told them, just eat the meal as slowly as you can. And did you watch them as they were doing it? Yes. Did you have to remind them to slow down? Did they sort of naturally begin to speed up, or did they were they able to really follow the instructions? Uh, for the most part, they followed the instructions. For a couple of subjects during the meal, we just we had to kind of slow them down. But for the most part, they were very good at following the instructions. And with the fast condition, we asked them to to, to eat the meal as quickly as possible. We provided a larger spoon with the um, 
larger meal than with the smaller meal. We provided a smaller meal, uh, smaller spoon, and we also um, told them not to take pauses between bites uh, with the uh, with the fast condition. I think I would have wanted to be in the fast group rather than yeah. I would have more naturally been in the fast group. Did uh, you actually, it wasn't two groups of people. It was all, all people came two visits. So um, the study design was each person compared to themselves. Each person had to do it both ways. Oh, actually, I see. That's interesting. Did, did yeah. they? Did they know? What did they know bef- about the study before the first meal? Uh, we told them a little, as little as possible, about the, uh, the purpose of the study. Uh, we just told them we just wanted to. to uh, we're doing a study that we're comparing uh, slow and fast eating paces because that part's obvious, but they knew that they had to eat slowly one time and eat quickly the other time. But we never told them that we were going to measure how much they consumed. Uh-huh. Uh, we just told them just to eat to a point of comfortable um, fullness, so just to the point where they weren't hungry anymore, um, Just and just stop when you finish with the meal. Um, but we didn't tell them that we were going to be weighing it before and after. And did you did you mix up the slow eaters with the fast eaters at a single table, or were they eating individually in their own room? They all came individually. They all came individually. Yeah, yeah. So each person, each time the person came, it was just the person sitting with the investigator uh, during the study. So each person came in two, twice in random order. So half the women did the fast condition first, and then the slow condition on, an, on a separate day. Right. And uh, the other half of the women did the, the fast condition first and then the slow condition on a, a later day. And otherwise it was sort of a – and was it a, a lab setting in a sense or was there was there any music in the background or anything anything else the, um, or was everything else just pretty stable? Uh, it's pretty stable. We have a, like a kitchen table set up uh, in our lab where we do the eating experiments. Uh, we have a nice uh, – place setting and such, but we don't have music there. Right, right. be interesting to, I don't know if you did this at all, but to, to put the fast-eating people and the slow-eating people together and see what happens, because I would imagine that the slow-eating people would start to speed up if they're sitting at a table with fast-eating people. Yeah, it might be a kind of a neutralizing, or <laughs> maybe the, the fast-eaters would slow down. We did ask them on one of the questionnaires how they rated themselves. Uh, if they consider them the, themselves a slow, fast, or medium-paced eater. And most of them said that they were either naturally medium or fast. I think out of the 30 women, it was only about three of them who said they were naturally slow eaters. That's interesting. So if they were, if you were suggesting to people that they eat slowly for most women, that would seem like a change. Mm-hmm. Meaning they wouldn't say, oh, yeah, I already eat slowly. And, the, and these were, according to this, uh, the report I read, normal weight women. Yes. Right. So, yeah, I, w- I was wondering if, you, if there are plans to repeat the study with uh, with overweight people. Yes, we do intend to do that, yeah, to see if we find the same results in, in this other group and also uh, to find out if um, overweight people tend to be uh, rate themselves as faster eaters. Uh, there was one study out of, out of Japan that they just asked people to report their body weight and report their eating pace. So it was all just a questionnaire study, all self-reported, no laboratory work. But they did find a, a significantly positive correlation between self-reported body weight and self-reported eating pace. That the, the, the heavier they were, the faster they would eat. Mm-hmm. The faster they decided, they would say they ate. Now you, you you talk a lot about water mm-hmm. in this in the study. Do you think that's that seems to be an important thing that they're just getting 
their, their stretch receptors are getting full because they're taking in zero-calorie liquids? This is uh, one hypothesis. This is one we're following up with uh, in our, our series of studies. This has evolved into now a series of five studies. Um, uh, the one that was reported in USA Today was uh, study one. We just completed the data from study two. Uh, the next studies that we're going to be performing are to examine how significant, how important is the water in this relationship because when people do eat slowly and they have a, a glass of water in front of them, they, they do tend to, to drink more water during the meal. So it, it makes us wonder to what extent that water is helping with the satiety, as you say, causing more gastric stretch. Uh, but we won't know that until we get the results of these next two studies that we're going to uh, is, explore that question. Is, is that why one of them is going to be around juice? Oh, yes. Did did Todd tell you the, the study designs? Or I, no, I, ju I just read that somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of our study designs. Yeah, because when, right. when, I, when I saw that, I was thinking about some of the work I've read on caloric compensation, mm -hmm. that uh, we, we, we tend to don't notice, to not notice our juice calories. Mm-hmm. It'd be real interesting. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll find that out in this next study that we're conducting. Now, is that right? We don't notice our juice calories. So if I drink water, I drink juice, that doesn't, affect my appetite? Uh, there are some data to suggest that, that, that particularly liquid calories are not um, sensed or compensated for in general uh, the same extent as solid food calories. So that's why we uh, generally suggest being cautious with uh, energy-containing beverages. And maybe if you put solid food into soft drinks, <laughs> that people would stop drinking them as much because they feel satiated. Just a thought. Yeah. Or if they, they drink their soft drinks with a meal to kind of... <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I, I, when, when I saw this come out, it, you know, it, it became a very popular sort of study. Like, you know, most, most of your diet and nutrition studies don't make it into USA Today in the media. So I, I, that, I, I told our dean, I, I said, this is, this is kind of funny because it's the most it's simple, straightforward study I've ever conducted. And, yeah, he said that that's, that's usually the way they go when I'm doing... All these sophisticated techniques and measuring hormones and such. It's, maybe people just don't relate to it the same way as they can to this kind of study. Right. Well, when you write your bestseller, you know, all, all your colleagues will stop talking to you because you sold out, right? <laughs> but, but I, you know, seriously, I was imagining the kind of diet books and the gadgets that, you, you know, you could have an industry to grow up, you know, around the, the put-your-fork-down diet. <laughs> yeah. Actually, there was a website in, in England that had something to that extent on it, uh, following up on my study. So I was just kind of chuckling about that. Yeah, and, they, and they've had things like, you know, from Fletcherizing and like chewing 55 times and stuff. But, but you know, you said that your study may have succeeded because it took more of an organic look at how, you know, the advice on how we're given to eat rather than just pausing or just taking small bites, but kind of a more organic look. What's what's your best guess as to how people could apply this, your finding, in a sensible way, like at, at the dinner table? To, to combine all three of those strategies, the, the smaller bites, the, the more thorough chewing, and the, the pauses between meals. Uh, I think between that, bites. Oh, sorry, I keep saying it, between bites. Like, a lot of my other work is between meal kind of work. This is between bites kind of work. I would say if people aren't pausing between meals, they would probably have a serious problem. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Point well taken. But there's no research to back that up yet. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> that would be an interesting study. <laughs> right. Wake up, start eating. When you go to sleep, stop. That's right. 
hypothesize on those results. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, I would suggest that uh, that it would be a matter of combining these, and also I think not to be overlooked are results on the enjoyment that the women expressed for the meals, because it's also important to to enjoy. Uh, your eating experiences that they, they significantly expressed higher uh, pleasantness ratings with the slow condition, mm-hmm. uh, and part of that just maybe because they have more time to to sense the flavor, or the texture, and you know, the aromas and such. Even the fast eaters. This is uh, all thirty women did. Right. I mean, the one, the self-reported fast eaters also found more pleasure in oh. eating slowly. We didn't analyze those data separately, but you know, between self reported fast eaters and and self-reported medium-paced eaters. We didn't do those analyses because there were only three self-reported slow eaters. Uh-huh. So to kind of split hairs between medium-paced and, and fast eaters, the remaining ones, so we, um, you know, we didn't think that that was, would be as significant as looking at self-reported slow versus self-reported fast, but sure. we only had three self-reported slow eaters. So, yeah, well, luck, that would be interesting to see if people who habitually consume meals fast really did enjoy the meal better when it, they consume it slowly. And we could look into those data. Yeah, well, luckily there's no shortage of hungry college students willing to <laughs> sit down for a spaghetti dinner. Indeed. We've had some people ask for the recipe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think it's a, also an important point that the type of pasta we used was the Ditalini pasta. Um, which is the real small bits of, of pasta, so people were able to even shuffle take, them in. Yep, they were able to take a lot in with the large spoon, but um, also take very few in uh, with the small spoon under the slow condition. Ah, well, let me ask you a question. I mean, I don't know if this is part of this is part of your research in any way, but do you have a sense as to why people eat so quickly? I think it's a hurry rush society. It was just always it seems in, in the U.S. we're we're in a rush all the time. As I mentioned, with the uh, intern who is uh, working the, uh, this project with me, uh, she's from Portugal, and she said that she noticed that in America that people just eat so fast. And in Portugal, they take their time; they sit down to a meal and kind of linger over the meal longer. Um, so yeah, it's interesting, and I guess from an efficiency standpoint, if I can get all those calories in in six minutes as opposed to 30 minutes, I've just saved 24 minutes. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> right that's interesting. Yeah, yeah um, I mean, Mike, I guess my big question about all this is, like, you know, humans are basically the only animals that I know of who have you know, chronic weight problems, and mm-hmm. it's not all humans at all times. It's kind of our, you know... Western societies, and so you know what 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 does this study tell us or hint at in terms of what makes us stop eating? You know, you meant pleasure it, to me is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's you know I've also heard stretch receptors, possible nutrient receptors, calorie receptors. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of physiological forces that help us. To, to tell us we're satiated and thus stop eating. However, I think probably what's happening more in humans anyway is non-physiological forces that are dictating uh, eating. For example, uh, social settings, uh, habit, 
or people eating out of emotional reasons or anxiety or out of boredom, eating for reasons other than physiology. And that's maybe why we're seeing it more in humans than in, in animals, um, because people are, are eating beyond their satiety signal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, one one, one thing. Yeah. One one thing that we try to teach, um, you know, our folks are, is the the quality of the diet. Mm-hmm. So we you know we preach a a diet low in processed foods, uh, high in in plant foods. Mm-hmm. Um, do do you find that the you know the quality of the food they're eating uh, relates to how fast? They can they can eat it. And I'm thinking about you know your intern from Portugal who probably ate food that was prepared from scratch with love, as mm-hmm. opposed to what you know your typical college student eats, which is you know some processed slop on a cafeteria tray most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I'm wondering you know, the typical American diet could you actually get it down if you had to pay attention to it? Could you get what do you mean get it? Down? Like could could you actually? You know, would it be palatable? Do we, are we eating fast because we're just eating bad food? Oh, for the most part, the, the American diet with it so high, like in fats and sugars and salts, these are things that are, I guess the the food processors intend to make the food more palatable and increase consumption of it. Uh, it's also, I think, it's very easily to get get down the throat quickly. <laughs> So people are, are apt to eat it faster than food that's like, for example, higher in fiber. You have to chew more. Mm, right. Uh, so. Well, and I guess your question also, Howie, is, do we need to get it down quickly? Because if we actually lingered over a Big Mac, it would be kind of gross, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. like you wouldn't want to actually eat cardboard slowly. You yeah, want like, to kind of, even if it was covered in chocolate, you'd probably want to get it down pretty quickly. Because if you actually lingered over it, the cardboard would begin to actually taste like cardboard. Yeah, there's a reason they don't have forks and knives in those places, right? <laughs> so the question is, if they would it be easier to linger over food if the food were better quality? Yeah. I think there is a tendency to do that. I mean, I'm just thinking, of, um, but it, I don't know how much is also a social setting because we usually tend to eat higher quality foods in better social settings. Like I'm thinking of eating in a fine restaurant to eating in a fast food restaurant. Right. Mm. But there's, there's also many people are in a rush when they're eating it in a fast food restaurant. Right. right. Yeah, and I, and I had a question about social setting that was based on a misinterpretation of the, of the study protocol where uh, USA Today said you had 30 women come into a laboratory for lunch on two separate occasions. So I, I just pictured a, ah. a big table mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. with, with, with 30 women. Cafeteria style kind of. Yeah, well, with with uh, with feedback, visual uh-huh. feedback. So you know, if we're if we're trying to help families get healthier, so you know, the question for us is, uh, you know, there's there's a ton of data on all sorts of things related to do this and you'll be healthier, and this is potentially one of those things. Uh-huh. But how do you get people to actually do it? Right, and, I, and I'm wondering if, in a, if any of your experiments are going to be conducted in some sort of social setting where it's not just individuals, but people in, in groups, and maybe you tell half of the group to eat slowly and the other half you don't tell them anything. And hmm. you know, I'm yeah. really, really curious about all the, all, all the ways we could actually make this work for people. Yeah, it, or if it, we can have, kind of have social, social support within families or, or groups of individuals who tend to eat together. To, to get them all to 
slow down and linger over the meal. So I know, at least in, in our family, there are people in our family who just uh, shovel it down and then sit back and watch the rest of us <laughs> kind of chew our food. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. You know, I had dinner last night with my wife who wasn't eating because she'd already eaten. Mm-hmm. And she and I, um, and 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 she, so she was sitting there and we were just talking and I was eating. And she said to me, oh, my God, you are eating so fast. Just slow down a little bit. And yeah. I said, I said, it's interesting. I'm eating the same speed I've always eaten at, but the difference is you're not eating as fast as I am right now, meaning you're not eating. Mm-hmm. So it's it's when she's not eating that she suddenly watches me eat and goes, oh, my God, he's shoveling it in. <laughs> Whereas when she was eating beforehand, she was more focused on her eating and she wasn't even noticing my eating. So it would be interesting to see, you know, to even get perception, self-perception and other perception of how fast you're eating. I would never have thought, oh, I'm eating so fast, unless someone was staring at me and saying to me, oh, you're eating so fast. Yeah. I think another good piece of advice to help people slow down is um, to make sure that they don't let themselves get too hungry because people, there are data to show that when um, people let themselves get too hungry, then they when they do eat, they just eat so Yeah, and it's so easy to get in so many calories so quickly that way. So trying to avoid these extremes of hunger is another good strategy to, to help avoiding eating. That because. sounds very interesting. Mm-hmm. Which would suggest not which would suggest not pausing between meals. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> right. I mean, but it would sort of. I mean, it would suggest saying, don't pause for so long between meals. You know, like don't don't wait. Um, you know, don't 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 go four hours without eating anything. Right. Yeah. Or or if you find yourself getting real hungry, come into that meal with it with a with an intention and a strategy, so you're not you know caught up in the in the physiological drive. Right. But you know, it's interesting because. There's a natural, we naturally want, you know, we'll, we'll say to our children, you know, wait, don't eat that now. You won't be hungry for dinner, right? The, the idea that we have to sit down two meals. And, and we, we advocate that. I mean, we believe that you should sit down two meals because that's when you can get the family together and you can, you know, there's, there's advantages to sitting down for meals beyond just the fact that you're sort of eating together. But it would suggest that the idea of don't eat that, otherwise you'll ruin your dinner may be a little arcane and that and that to eat a little bit before dinner might not be such a bad strategy if it kind of helps you pace and enjoy the dinner more. Yeah, as long as it's something that's uh, nourishing. Right, right, not a not, Snickers not a bar. Cookie. Right, exactly. Right, right. Unless it's a really, really healthy cookie. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you're interested, Howie has some amazing recipes for. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, he's very good at that. Uh-huh. Making healthy cookies. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll come up and cater one of your studies. <laughs> Everyone will want the recipes, though. Right. Yeah, we would get people into the lab because, oh, food's really good there. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Right, we, where, are you, where are you going for lunch? Oh, man, the lab. Right. <laughs> it's the hottest place for lunch these days. Right. Yeah, plus, I get five bucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who said there's no free lunch? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have to. You guys can continue. I have a. I have an eleven o'clock that I have to bow out for. Yeah, I think. I think this is a uh, a, a great way to end. Okay. But th- thank you so much. I would love to to stay in touch and hear how things are going and uh, continue to to 
kick around these issues because they're really interesting to us. Yeah, that would be great. And I'm also, I, I, I think we're very appreciative that you're doing this research because the idea that, you know, the idea that all of weight gain or health is about glycemic index seems to be a little arcane. And, and the idea that how, how we eat or how we do what we do impacts our health uh, is I think very critically important, and there's a there's a series of you know, there's a couple of books that are out about that now, and it's a it's it's an understudied area, um, even though it seems obvious to people it's understudied. So it's great that you're doing this work. Thank you, thank you very much. I, I totally agree. You can't just focus on one one just any one aspect of the diet or any one, one food or type of food. It, it's all a combination, even beyond the foods we eat, the the food behavior surrounding them. Right. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. I look forward to talking again at some point. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.